What a wonderful night. Again, welcome. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. I have a question that we're going to kind of ponder in the scriptures tonight in John chapter 3. If you have your Bible and want to open it up, uh, but we'll have those verses on the screen. And the question is, uh, we've kind of already sensed it tonight, but it's like, the question is, what's going on with Jesus? You know, like, I wonder that sometimes. What's going on with Jesus that we would gather here? Uh, it's a question we all kind of have to face, you know, is what is happening with Jesus? Is what is going on with Jesus, what he has done, what he is doing, what, what he will do, does that have any effect on me? You know, so, so we'll come back to that question. What's going on with Jesus? When I was uh, 17, I stopped going to church. So I, I had a similar experience to Nolan. When I was a baby, there was a group of people that prayed that prayer over me, said they would create a community of love and forgiveness for me. When I was 17, I just stopped going. I don't have this big dramatic reason that I stopped going to church. I just got interested in other things, and uh, I stopped going. I was at an age where I was making my own decisions, and I stopped going to church. And at that particular time in my life, I had a bedroom in my parents' house. I had a door that went from the outside into my bedroom, which parents is not advisable. It's not a great idea uh, if you're raising teenagers, but that's a side note. But the reason I bring it up is one day, one of the pastors from my church, his name is Craig, came to my house because I hadn't been coming to church. And he'd been trying to reach out to me. He'd done some outreaches to me. I remember he sent me a postcard and I was like, who sends postcards? Um, but he came to my house to, to check in on me because he was a part of that group that said they would create a community of love and forgiveness for me. Well, he came to our house and nobody was home. And so he walked in uh, that door, uh, where, which went right into my bedroom, which is called breaking and entering. And he went into my bedroom and next to my bed, I had a yellow notepad where I wrote songs and my thoughts and that kind of thing. And Craig picked up that little notepad and he wrote me a note. It was actually an eight word note. It was actually a quote. It was a quote from Bob Dylan, who he knew that I loved Bob Dylan and he loved Bob Dylan. And so all he left me was a quote from Bob Dylan, these eight words, he not busy being born is busy dying. And he signed it, Craig. And when I got home that night and I picked up my yellow notepad and I read that and I realized that Craig had come to my house and he'd actually come into my room and he'd left me this message, which this is a language that I spoke, you know, he not busy being born is busy dying. I just have to tell you that something happened in my heart. I remember it. Like I can, I can picture, I can, I can hold that pad in my hand right now, what it felt like to read that. And I thought he came to my house and I wasn't home and he came to my room and, he, and he, he had this word for me. And that was a moment for me where I felt um, I started to long for God again. And I thought, um, I thought about that quote, if, if, uh, if you can't really stay still, and if you're not busy being born, you're busy dying, I really remember thinking, I need to get busy getting alive. This last week, I went and visited the, the home of one of our church members. Uh, he, he's 90 years old. And I went to visit this particular uh, gentleman because he had recently got a diagnosis um, that he was near the end of his life and hospice care had been, been called in. And so I went and visited him in his home and they, uh, they set a chair right in front of his recliner. And I sat down in front of him. This is a guy I know pretty well. And his wife was there. And I sat down, he looked me right in the eyes, and, and the first thing he said to me was, Pastor, I'm eager to know what heaven is like. I was like, I was, it was like the words went inside of me. He said, Pastor, I'm eager to know what heaven is like. And I thought, oh man, 
Here he is, 90 years old, and he's still longing for more of the presence of Jesus. I thought about me being 17. I didn't know what was going on, but I was longing for more of Jesus. And, and here I was sitting with this, this wonderful man who uh, has had this incredible life and was in the army and went around the world and did all these beautiful things. And here he was, and he was, what he was saying to me is he said, I'm still longing for more of Jesus. He not busy being born is busy dying. A couple of weeks ago, um, I showed this slide that was about our baptism night, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, actually two weeks from tonight. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a minute. But the first Sunday uh, morning that I showed the slide, it came up on the screen, actually has one of our dear sisters on it. She's coming up out of the water where she has water. She's exulting because uh, she wants more of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And that particular morning, we put the slide up and there was a little boy sitting right over here in the far corner. It's where he sits every Sunday morning with his mom and dad. And he happens to be my nephew. And he uh, he was seven years old. He's eight now, but this, he just turned eight years old. And so here he was almost eight years old. And he saw this picture uh, of, of, of Stephanie exulting in water baptism and that Jesus was everything. And the slide says, say yes to Jesus. And Austin, my nephew, leaned over to his mom and he whispered and he pointed up at the, up at the slide and he said, that's me. That's me. I thought his little boy heart, right? looking out at Miss Tanner, who's my daughter's teacher at that age, right? These little hearts. And even at that age, he was saying, uh, I want more of that. I want, that's me. I want in on that. And so um, what I want us to think about tonight is, you know, we all have those moments, no matter what your age, if you're a 90-year-old or a 17-year-old or a second grader who is, um, who is saying to his, his knees, like, I need to tell my mama that I got to do that, <laughs> right? And the, the scripture we're going to look at tonight has a line that reminds me of those from a guy named John the Baptist. And this is how he said it. He said, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. So John the Baptist, we're going to look at his story a bit, was not uh, at the end of his life and he was not an eight-year-old. He was kind of, um, he didn't know it at the time, but sort of at the pinnacle of his career. Um, he had a following. He had some apprentices. He had people that were paying a lot of attention to him. And yet, even in the midst of that, he had that feeling that I had when I was 17 and, and, um, and, and Dick had at 90 years old and, and Austin had at eight years old where he's like, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. I got to keep moving. I got to keep going. He must become greater. I must become less. And John uh, says he must become greater. I must become less in response to a question that was asked of him. And uh, that, that question is not these exact words, but it's, so, it's something like what I started with saying, what's going on with Jesus? Right? We're, we're going to look at this story. So it's John chapter 3, and uh, we're starting with verse 22. And this is what it says in verse 22. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out in the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. And Alex, if you'll just leave those verses up, I'm going to kind of walk through them just a little bit. So we get, uh, you all know, I'm always interested when a, when a verse starts with something like, after this. You know, I just can't, I just can't go with, I got to say, well, after what, <laughs> right? And so if you look back in John chapter three, right before this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Jesus is visited by a man named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night. And he's like, why? He's longing for more of, more of God. And Jesus tells this old guy that he has to be, guess what? Born again. 
And then one of the most famous lines, if not the most famous line in the Bible is in John chapter three, verse 16. It says, you know, that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. After that, that's where we're at, okay? So after that happens, Jesus and his disciples go out into the countryside, out in the wilderness, kind of strange, where he spent some time with them and Jesus, uh, Jesus baptized. So we don't know a lot about Jesus baptizing. There's not a whole lot said about it. We don't think that he baptized probably a lot of people, but he baptized some people. And so we're being told that Jesus is out there, he's meeting with people, and he's baptizing some. The next verse says, now, John, this is John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin, who was much more known than Jesus at this time. It says, John was also baptizing at a place called Anan near uh, Salim, which is near the Jordan River, because there was plenty of water, and people were coming and being baptized. And this was before John was put in prison. So here's what we got. John, Jesus' cousin, He gets the name John the Baptist because he baptizes people. He takes people under the water for a symbol of cleansing. It's a baptism of repentance. People are saying, I need more of God. I've messed up. I need something. I need a marker in my life that shows that I belong to God and that God has power. I'm pointing to where we just had this happen, okay? Where God has power to do something that I can't do on my own. So John the Baptist is out in the middle of the wilderness. People are coming to him and he's baptizing. So we have two guys doing that. Jesus and John. Now, neither Jesus or John are sort of uh, accepted into the fold of the accepted religious community. They're religious guys. They've got all kinds of religious training and grew up in the church and all that kind of stuff, but they don't fit, okay? If you're having to go out in the wilderness and people following out there, they're not the normal folks. So these are, you need to know Jesus and John are two different kind of dudes, different from each other and different from everybody else. But something that they hold in common is they have a very distinct sort of no punches pulled uh, way of offering the radical grace of God. They're like, anybody can come, anybody can come accept this. But then this thing happens when you come under them, like as a disciple or a follower, after that happens, they push you towards a deeper commitment where you have to like lay down your whole life. So it's like real radical to go out into the wilderness and be baptized by Jesus or John and people are flocking to them. And so here's what happens, okay? So like a movement of God is happening. Here's what happened. And in that moment, an argument ensues. That would never happen now, right? Like God's moving, there's cool stuff happening. There's like lots of really great stuff happening. God's on the move. There wouldn't be people just getting an argument over like religious stuff, right? So we'll have to stretch ourselves a bit to, to go there. No, we don't. It says an argument developed between some of John's disciples, so some of John the Baptist's uh, followers, and just one person, a certain Jew, over the matter of ceremonial washing. So this Jew, that, that naming of that lets us know that this was like a religious leader, a person who kind of knew what was going on and should be going on. So God is moving. People's hearts are being changed. They're saying, I want to get busy being born, not busy dying. I'm eager for heaven. They're saying, that's me. They're, you know, they're going to the water. And all the while, while that's happening, um, God's leading people to be dumped. Someone is like, hey, I don't think y'all are doing that right. I want you to picture it. Just people are giving their lives to God. It's amazing. That's me. You know, they're, they're, they're going out in the wilderness. Dunk me. Do me, John. I'm here, Jesus. And somebody looks at that and says, uh, excuse me, guys. You're actually not following all the rules quite right. And an argument develops between the guys who are following John, the ones who've given him the light. They're like, no, man, this is what, and this one person who really does know all of the rules. When Jesus is drawing people towards himself, it always bothers people. 
okay? It always bothers people. Because it rarely fits in with everything that we can put our arms around. Now, custom and, and rules are important, very important. They bind us, they protect us. What we just did here is a part of that. You know, they, they hold us together. But Jesus and people being called to Jesus rarely know what all the rules are. And it gets a bit outside of that. Uh, hang with me, okay, when the Spirit begins to move. Like, I remember the last time we had a baptism service. We have one coming up, but we had one uh, almost two years ago because uh, the pandemic, we haven't done that. And what happened was this amazing movement of God. Some of y'all remember it. Uh, it spilled over into the weekend. So we had a bunch of people signed up, 75, 80 people to get baptized. But what happened is we started having more people get baptized. By the end of the weekend, we had 137 people that had, been, that had come, and come under the water. So it was sort of like it was a little wild, you know, and not everybody was planning. So the people who had planned, they came, they had their, their t-shirt on, the right t-shirt, a pair of shorts, we had towels for them. But then these other people start coming up and they're not ready. They got cell phones in their pockets and their belts on and their shoes. It was a mess. And I remember on Sunday morning, I mean, the thing was planned for Thursday night. It's still going on on Sunday morning. And at the end of the worship service, you know, people are coming up during the song. This one guy comes up to me right over here. He was a young guy and he, you know, he had a button up shirt on and a belt and shoes and probably a pocket knife. I don't no. And he walks up and he, and, and I was like, this is awesome, man. And the music's playing. So I'm kind of having like get right in his ear. I was like, I was like, you want to go in just like that? You know, I was trying to like, uh, try to figure out how we're going to get this guy uh, baptized. And he says to me, he says, well, I walked all the way down here in front of everybody. What the blank am I going to do now? That was his response. <laughs> we're standing right there. And so you got to understand, I went to school to be a pastor. You know, like I learned the rules. I was taught how to baptize. And I was looking at this guy who's curse, cussing at me about being baptized. And I'm thinking, this does not fit. I don't know what to do with this guy. I don't know exactly what to do with this guy. And so um, I dunked him. And do you know that guy now feels called to be a, a minister of the gospel? And I just imagine Jesus down at the Jordan River wasn't fitting in with all the customs. And, and some guy's like, what's going on with this Jesus? You realize this doesn't fit all of our rules. So here's what happened. They came to John. So the they is the Jew who was arguing with John's disciples. So John's disciples bring the guy they're arguing with. So that guy with their argument has authority. He kind of knows the rules. And they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, that's Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. John's the Baptist. He's the one who should be baptizing. And, they don't, and the religious folks don't even think necessarily he should be. Who's this guy? And now look who's going to him. Everybody. It's wild. And what John decides to do, oh my goodness, it is so, it, it's so important for like this probably seems distant from your life, okay? But what John decides to do is so important for each of us here. What John decides to do is rather than get into an argument about baptism rules, he starts telling them about who Jesus is. They're bringing John, hey, you gotta settle this argument. And he's like, I wanna tell you about the guy. Um, we can be really good about arguing about things and neglect to make sure that people even understand who Jesus is. So we spend all our time in this static, in this argument, 
when really what hearts are longing for is to know who this one is that we're being called to and longing for. So John decides, you know, rather than have an argument about baptism rules, he's going to tell them about the who the guy is on the other side of the river. John's sort of in this mood that I'm in right now, and that's just like, life's short, you know? John doesn't know it in that moment, but his life is about to be cut short. This is a graphic, but not too long after this, John's head is going to be in a, on a platter because of his faith. But John had a sense of that, even as a wild guy out in the wilderness, that he's like, I'm not going to spend all night arguing with you guys about ceremonial washing when the Messiah is standing across the way leading people to salvation. He's like, so, and John doesn't even, he doesn't even get on to him. He's just like, let me just tell you about that. So this is John's reply to settling the argument. He, this is his reply. He says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. So what he's trying to say, he's talking about Jesus. He's saying, so if you see the power of God being manifested in this wild guy's life out in the, in the wilderness, you can be assured. He said, that kind of thing only comes from heaven. A person can receive only what's given them from heaven. And, and then he says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. This is really important because John's the leading guy right now. John's the guy who has a following. John's the guy who's doing more baptisms. And he said, so let me make it clear right now. Remember, they're asking him to argue about baptism. He's not saying anything about it. He's like, let me make it clear right now. I am not the one, the, I am not the, the sent one, the Messiah of God. I'm just sent ahead of him. My whole job, John is saying, is to prepare the way for this one. And then hang with me. This is like John Jesus talk here. It, it gets kind of weird. This is his answer. He says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, he said, and it is now complete. And we're like, oh, uh, what? what are you talking about, John? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if this situation that we are living in right now were, um, were like a bridegroom that is calling to his bride, that's the metaphor he's given us. And it's a beautiful one. It's one John really digs because he's saying the Messiah is like this bridegroom, the groom, and he's calling out to his bride. He's, he's bringing her unto himself. And so John says, if that's the situation that's taking place, I need you to be sure of who I am. So he says, if there's a bridegroom call, calling to the bride, bringing her unto him, he says, here's who I am. He says, I'm the groom's buddy who's out in the parking lot decorating the car. If you want to know who I am in relationship to him, I am just the groom's buddy. I am the groom's servant. I am the groom's attendant. So John is saying, my only purpose in life is for you to know who this Jesus is. He says, that's it. He's like, I'm not going to argue with you about ceremonial washing when I have the opportunity to tell you about Jesus. That's why John says, my joy is complete in this, in this moment. He says, you guys are bringing an argument to me. He's like, but my joy is complete. You know why? Because I'm getting to do my life's purpose, which is tell you about the Messiah. And he is not me. He is the one who's over there baptizing. <laughs> and that's when John says, he must become greater and I must become less. John, who's getting all the attentions, following is bigger than Jesus. John says, I'm still longing for more Jesus, more Jesus. I want him to get more attention. I want more talk of him. I want more attention towards him. That should be the purpose of this church, for Jesus to get all the attention. 
It, it should give us, you know, we don't want you leaving here saying the song was great or did Jacob finally get his hair cut or anything, you know? We want, we want you leaving here where the hero that is on your mind and in your focus is Jesus. More of him, less of me. But you see, the question that John the Baptist was really answering that day out in the wilderness was, what's going on with this Jesus? What's going on with him? We, we can't wrap our minds around it. It doesn't quite fit into all of our conceptions of religion. You know, and so they're thinking, how does what he's doing affect us? How does that change how we live? And I think that this is a question that everyone has to answer. We're beginning a season here at our church where we're going to be inviting people to say yes to Jesus. But it's sort of like you first have to answer, you know, is what's going on with Jesus, what he's doing, his work, his movement, does that have anything to do with you? You know, you kind of have to get pulled out of uh, whatever it is, maybe by, you know, somebody coming into your presence and saying, he not busy being born, is busy dying. Or there may, have, there may be a longing grow in you in this particular season of your life. You're like, I'm eager to know what heaven is like. It may become an eternal kind of perspective that you want to get a part of. Or it may be really simple, like Austin, my nephew, who just said, that's me. That's me. I'm supposed to go to Jesus. I'm supposed to go to him. And so uh, here's what John, this is what John the Baptist says kind of coming out of this. He says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects him will not see life. It's exactly kind of what came out of the Nicodemus story. Like for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So this is important. Um, I'm not as interested in the baptism argument. We have baptism rules, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, and and it's important, but I've been so captivated by this. I was calling some of my friends today, pastors in town. I was like, I got to tell you how the word's coming alive to me about John the Baptist. You know, we're always arguing about stuff and he was pointing people towards Jesus. I talked to this pastor in town. He's a Baptist pastor, you know, you know how the Baptists got their name. So they were arguing about baptism and the Baptist said, we're right, you know? And so we, that's kind of where we're all, (laughs) where we're all at. And I was like, you know what we should be doing? We should be making sure people People understand who Jesus is. We should be making understand, people understand who Jesus is because when that happens, people say, I want to get busy being born. I want to be born again. I want that kind of life. So uh, you know, a couple years ago, we had the season, Jesus changed my life and all these people got baptized. I told you about it. Um, you know, people coming up. The reason we saw this, um, this in people, this, that they were feeling compelled to come. It was like they had to. Like the guy who came up, it was, you hear what he's saying? He's like, I got to do this. I've got to do this. And he did it in front of his wife and his son and his community. And so I want to show you, I've just got a short video of, of that night. And I want you to know one of the first people you see me with up on the stage, it's an older man. I put my hand on his head. It's the guy I visited this week. He came up here on the stage when he was 88 years old. And so I just want you to watch it and see it. And then I have a bit of a, uh, of a closing of an invitation to you. So check this out. And then I knelt before them. And I can remember the, the weight of the pastor's hands on my head and my parents' hands on my shoulders as he prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and fill my life, confirm in me this decision. And I took on a new identity that day, 1993. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I'm I'm a follower of him. He's my Lord. I want to live in obedience to him.
I, I just wanted you to, to see that and just to know the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to say yes to Jesus. And I, I wanted to offer to you tonight just the opportunity if you need to say, that's me. That's it. If, 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 there's, if, if you're here tonight and you're like, that's me. Or if you're watching online, we know there's so many of you who join us every week and you're like, that's me. Well, we're gonna figure out how to get you into the water. If you're watching this online, if you go to prob.church slash sign up, actually uh, after the service, Pierce and Angel will be telling you more uh, of how you can do this. But uh, we've already had a bunch of people who are online folks who are gonna join us that Thursday night or we will figure it out. And for you guys in the room tonight, um, I have a clipboard, okay? And I, I bring it only on special occasions. And it's right over there. And we're gonna sing a song together. And if you're, if you're just like, that's me, you're like, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. I need, I need a marker in my life to say that I belong to him. I'm ready to get busy being born and stop being busy, being dying. If you'll come see me tonight, I'm gonna put your name on the clipboard and then I'm gonna contact you later and we're gonna talk about what it might mean for you to make a commitment to Jesus. So I'll be right over there uh, with the clipboard. Uh, if you tonight don't wanna come over there, but you just wanna come forward and pray, you just need some time, you can come uh, forward. We invite you to do that. But let's stand. Uh, we're gonna sing about Jesus. And again, uh, I'd love to talk with you tonight over here at any time.